Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, an editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. The topic of the day is going to be patriotism, American patriotism. What does it mean in 2019? We had a more heated conversation off camera, so hopefully (laughs) it will be more calm and rational during this podcast episode. I just want to start out with with an anecdote. Um, I took an Uber ride the other day to go pick up my car from the shop. Made some small talk with the driver. He asked what I did. Uh, I told him I was a teacher. And he said, oh, what subjects? And I said, history and government. And I forget exactly the words he said, but his reaction was something like, oh, man, good luck with that in this, <laughs> in this day and age. And I kind of laughed like, yep, it's pretty intense. Uh, and it just, I don't know, it just struck me the <clears throat> just the political divisions and intensity in, in politics. And it, it definitely seeps down into, you know, ordinary ordinary people. I think it, uh, especially with uh, <clears throat> the intense rhetoric around immigration and, and, and race lately, that it, it, you know, it falls on some people differently than others. And, and we don't have, you know, the conversations are happening differently and, you know, in, in coastal cities and in, 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 in the heartland and it's in upper and lower class and all these, all these sort of, sort of conflicts in uh, disputes happening. Um, and it's had me thinking about just a, I guess, broader theme and of, of you know, American identity that's, that's been in different times of history have, have been in, in intense uh, kind of battles over what does it mean to be an American. Um, <clears throat> and just, you know, just, Kind of reflecting on this last couple of weeks, you know, after Independence Day, uh, you know, certain certain sector uh, had a strong belief that what it meant to be American is, you know, standing up for the symbols of America and and being really passionate about, you know, shoe companies having a certain flag on their on their on their shoes. Not just our governor Doug Ducey, but a lot of people sort of shared that sentiment. You know, on the other hand, a couple of weeks later, you have a president. Uh, Leading chance of of send her back and, and coming from um, coming from tweets that uh, pretty much insinuated that she should leave the country, go back to where you came from, um, to lawmakers and American citizens, and uh, some people are laughing. That's just that's just trolling that's just owning the libs and it's and and it's i don't know it's it's uh it's it's made me sad at times made me angry at times it's made me wonder where we're going it's made me want to check out completely from (laughs) from politics so uh getting at a question here but you know where is this all going is is this is this getting worse uh are we are we tearing each other apart uh, how are we going to come out of this in one piece? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> well, Trump's um, go back tweet um, was uh, particularly vile and repulsive, uh, even by uh, Trump standards. Um, and uh, since then, 
uh, he has equated uh, criticism of him as uh, disloyalty uh, to the country. Um, he's not uh, the first political leader to make that conflation, um, although most of them are far more subtle uh, and not as crude uh, in doing it. Uh, and it's, of course, uh, nonsense. Um, our, we have a competitive political system, uh, and that means that both sides get to criticize the other and debate, and the American people choose. Uh, we have a peaceful transition of authority, and we move on and repeat it all over again. This particular period of politics is uh, uniquely uh, disgusting and damaging. Uh, but I do think that that's because of the singular character of Donald Trump, uh, who is making it thus. Um, so I do believe that when he passes the scene, um, either after getting defeated in 2020 or uh, after serving out his second term in 2024, uh, that we will return to sort of the normal pettiness and competitiveness of our politics, because I don't think there's any successor uh, to Trump. I think he has a unique set of political uh, interests and skills um, that just keeps politics riled to an unhealthy level. But I don't think anyone else has the ability to replace him as such an agent of chaos. I think what bothers me most is that uh, it should be abnormal, and I would hope that it goes back to being more more calm and, and rational. Compare, I mean, it's never... Yeah, it's going to be compared. American politics have never been calm and, and rational, but there's an ordinary <laughs> level of demagoguery and hypocrisy and pettiness and and mischaracterization of your opponent and that I think we will return to as opposed to the cartoonish and levels we've, that we've reached under Trump. And we've been in different parts before. Even I just I just read one of my books I read over the summer was a, a history of American journalism in the founding era. And they were just, you know, vicious, tearing each other apart, blatantly lying. And it was that's that's what happened, you know, but 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 the kind of the conclusion of the book is, you know, journalism evolved and certain standards evolved. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, it's, it's 2019, and we have this, it seems like, uh, it feels like we're living out of, you know, some, some old uh, history books, uh, you know, that, that you learn, like, man, that, that happened back then. A president was saying that back then. And it's like, man, we're living through that right now. And what, I think what bothers me is that these norms change. Norms can change. And I, what, what bothers me most is that you, you have a normalization of it when, when um, people accept it, people try to defend it, um, when, when Republicans... Uh, 
can't call it out for what for what it is. It, it's uh, to me, it was demoralizing how. Uh, and 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 again, um, Trump says awful things all the time. It's like okay, we just got to live with that, I guess. But <clears throat> there's there's to me, it was uh, I was I was hoping it would be um, sort of like okay. Enough is enough. Kind of like the Hollywood, uh, rep- the Hollywood uh, tape that came out before the election. When that happened, Republicans were saying, "If I support Trump, I can't look at my daughter in the eye." And people were saying that stuff. Republican lawmakers were saying that stuff. People were evoking their uh, endorsements. And <clears throat> I was thinking when that when these tweets came out, I was thinking, "Okay, this is going to be the thing." Or people say, "Okay." Not that far. I've got a line, and that's crossed the line, and it and it didn't. And to me, that was demoralizing and um, <clears throat> and wrong. <laughs> and I and I and to me, that's a sense of patriotism. It's like, okay, the foundation of this country is is you you have the right to criticize your government. That's what we're founded on. That's what the early American patriots did. And and to have this to defend this notion that. <clears throat> Um, that the the people criticizing the government right now are you know hate the country and they're and they're un-American and and um, and and to feel like you have to uh, qualify that that sentiment by 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 reiterating at how much you despise their their viewpoint and stuff. To me, it's demoralizing, and I, I think I, I worry that norms change, and and um, that becomes acceptable to to a significant part of the population. I, I think it is understandable to find it um, demoralizing, um, and even stronger reactions um, than that. Um, but I don't think. The norms for politics were never very high to begin with. Uh, And I just think that Trump is such an unusual character um, that no one else can step in his shoes. I mean, he he is the guy that is roiling politics on a daily basis and commanding 100% of uh, the attention. I just don't think anyone else has um, the ability to do that. So even if there are people who would want to step into Trump's shoes uh, to do that, I just don't think there's anyone else with the um, characteristics and skill set. I can't imagine. I think that Republicans are properly uh, criticized uh, for failing to condemn uh, Trump's uh, go back uh, tweet uh, to the extent that it should have been criticized. I think it should have been uh, a you've gone too far uh, moment. Uh, but I don't think there's any other Republican who would even think about sending out such a tweet. I mean, the ignorance of it was. Um, as stunning as its vileness. So I mean, to happens? tell people who were born here uh, that you should go back to the country 
that you came from uh, just bespeaks a remarkable ignorance as well as vileness that I just don't think any other Republican or Democratic politician possesses. So what happens if <laughs> chants become as mainstream as the lock her up chants, which I would say are equally uh, un-American in, in their spirit of, of one chant of want to lock up your political opponents uh, and, and, uh, and now wanting to uh, deport your political opponents. What happens when those chants become, when, when your base and, and the pace of your party, that's what they stand for? I mean, what is, uh, I don't what think, is, what I is don't the party becoming? I don't think we will becoming? ever get there. I don't think that those ever reflected um, extensively held views uh, within the Republican Party and um, saying or implying that your opponent should be locked up uh, isn't new in American politics, and it's not new in Arizona politics. Um, there, during the 1990s, there was a campaign uh, for a governor and a campaign for attorney general here in Arizona, uh, in which commercials were cut depicting their opponent as behind bars. Um, again, the, the norm in, in American politics isn't high. Uh, demagoguery, hypocrisy, straw men, demonizing your opponent, mischaracterizing your opponent's positions um, have been standard fare since the beginning of the country. Um, taking it to the destructive level that Trump takes it, um, I don't think anyone else uh, can uh, pull off. Now, maybe I'm being Pollyannish and certainly and, and a concern about his corrosive effect on political ethics is well-founded. And there's no part of your thinking or mind at all that worries that <clears throat> there could be, uh, you know, that our, that our Constitution is written in, in such a way that, you know, it depends a lot of ways on uh, people holding each other accountable. And there's a lot of interpretive wiggle room here and there. You know, I think we're seeing that just with... Uh, you know, with the with the declaration of war thing, like now we've now we're at the point where they're trying to pass legislation to to stop a president from from going to war, uh, rather than giving. You know, it's 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 totally norms can change, uh, and, and constitutional norms kind of depend on, or con the Constitution depends on the people that are in power uh, checking each other and and making sure those. Uh, you know the spirit of those of the Constitution get get carried through. Is there nothing, no part of you that worries that uh, <clears throat> this presidency or another another term might substantially uh, <clears throat> erode those uh, those civil norms that 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 the rule of law uh, depends upon. I am worried about the corrosive effect of uh, Trump and the way that he practices uh, politics. I just think that he's so unusual that he can't be replicated. Um, and to get back to your original question, what does it mean to be an American? Uh, the country was founded on two revolutionary ideas. Um, the first is that individuals possess rights 
that it is um, the duty of government to uh, respect and protect. And the second is that uh, government rests upon consent of the governed. In 2018, um, the American people uh, delivered a rebuke uh, to Trump and the Republicans. Uh, we will have an election in 2020 uh, where Trump's character and the way that he practices politics will be a major issue. Um, we will see what the Democrats decide to, to run on. Um, but uh, I do believe that ultimately, uh, respecting those norms uh, can reasonably rely on uh, the principle of uh, governing resting ultimately on the consent of the governed. I don't think that's anything that Americans will ever be willing to give up. Uh, and uh, irrespective of how much they otherwise fight. It seemed it, to me, and I've <clears throat> obviously never lived in different, different parts of history in these, in these intense times, and, and we've, we, you know, we fought a, fought a civil war. Uh, well, in, in the 60s, we're far more um, a country tearing itself apart than, than we are today. So the, the, the notion that this is an unusually, historically unprecedented, uh, divided country um, does lack recognition of our history. We were far more dangerously divided in the 1960s than we are today. And, of course, we were never as divided as a civil war. It, what, what's, what's unique, it seems to me, is the, you know, you have a, um, you have a demagogue in the, in the White House who, who has uh, an intense following and, and, and that kind of rhetoric is coming you know that the, the intense d divisive rhetoric is coming from the president, and um, the legitimacy that that conveys to to people, and and, and the passionate sort of um, feeling that political opponents are not just wrong, but like evil, and and that and that if they got power. We wouldn't have a country anymore, and and that we're th this is the kind of uh, sort of rhetoric that's uh, that's coming out, and that that's to me what what's you know what's what's new and different is you have the weight of the most powerful position maybe ever invented on Earth <laughs> advocating these. Uh, these ideas and leading this this passionate, but he only, um, dedicated. His job approval rating is in the low forties. His reelect numbers are in the thirties. Um, the percentage of of people who approve of his job performance are wanting him to be reelected. Re um, that subscribe to these uh, extreme, disturbing uh, views that he expresses from the White House. I think is relatively small. I, I, I think his reelection depends upon people who find that appalling, but nevertheless believe that the country will be better off 
four more years of him with his policies rather than the policies that whoever the Democratic candidate turns out to be uh, advocates. And uh, depicting your opponent as unpatriotic and evil is, again, nothing new. The first person that I heard uh, say, we've got to take our country back, was Hillary Clinton. And she was referring to George W. Bush. Um, our, our political discourse has never been civil. Uh, and um, sadly, uh, questioning the patriotism of others uh, has not been at all uh, unusual. The links to which Trump takes it, his crudeness, his vileness, from the Oval Office uh, is unique. We've not gone through that before. But I think there's a greater danger that he will reduce respect for the office than he will change the norms of democratic uh, governance uh, or um, invite imitators to succeed him. Yeah. And I go back, I go back and forth. I've, I think I've said this before in the podcast of, of of having the feelings I'm having right now, <laughs> versus uh, people who say, on paper he's just an ordinary president. I just don't like how he tweets. And you know, I know people personally that 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 support him, will vote for him, and hold hold that position. That you know, I wish he would just calm down his tweets, but you know, he's doing good things for the country, and he's. He's on, he's on my side. That's increasingly, I think, a difficult position to hold, um, given the way in which he is intensifying and inflaming uh, his tweets. Um, I mean, I agree with you that the go-back tweet um, crossed a line. Uh, and I think that has to be understood by a segment of the people who previously said... Um, yeah, he may be a maniac in office, but he's doing the things uh, that I applaud. And then no one will, like, fight like that for what I, you know, I think it's, like, a tough thing. Like, he's being tough to, like, no one will go to, no, no one will be a fighter like that. I mean, even like, evangelical Christians are saying, you know, he's, we need a fighter right now in this, in this cultural war. And uh, <clears throat> it's wild. <laughs> and... Uh, I wonder what people's lines are. You know, people. People. I think every every day there's there's new things he says that are dishonest or you know, just doesn't even make a blip anymore. I think yesterday he said something like, "Oh, I could just wipe Afghanistan off the face of the earth if I felt like it." And you're just like, "Uh, what?" You know, uh, and it's it's just like. You know, and 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 lies, and people just like kind of normalize it and defend it, and 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 he's got spokespeople, and then and then you have people like the anonymous uh, official who wrote that op-ed for the New York Times that was basically saying, "I think this guy is dangerous for the country, but we're all doing the best we can behind the scenes." <laughs> I wonder just where people's lines are. Like, like, what what is it? At what point do you say, you know what? This ain't worth it, and I'm I'm getting out, or I'm 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 turning against it, or I'm I'm going public with it. Or I'm just saying like that's that's not where I'm at. 
Um, I, I think that's a very fair question. Um, but I do believe that where he's at isn't where the country's at. I, I think the country is ready to eject the guy. Um, but if the price of ejecting him uh, is electing someone who advocates European-style social democracy for the United States, that might be too, pri too high of a price um, for those who believe that Trump has finally crossed a line in terms of outrageous behavior. And is, is fighting that worth it for the Republican Party to, you know, in their minds to do that? Because I, I, I feel like um, just with the, the demographic changes that are happening, the, um, you know, millennial, <laughs> if you look at millennials, how they feel about what's going on, um, it's, it's not sustainable long term. And, and you'd think that there'd be people within the party almost being like, let's, let's just cut our costs here and, and start building an alternative that can be competitive um, politically into this next two generations. I mean, is there anyone thinking, thinking long term about, about that? Or they're still, I guess, in the present moment, like we got to win this next election. And then and the individual saying, I got to keep this this base of support on my side in the future. There is a fear um, that speaking out against Trump will uh, generate a primary challenge um, and that Trump has the upper hand with respect to Republican primary voters. And I think that's probably an accurate uh, political read. Uh, but I do believe, and wrote a column to this effect recently, that other Republican office holders um, badly need to start creating some space between themselves and Trump to start ensuring that Trump alone um, suffers uh, from uh, the messes that he creates. The go-back tweak was the um, what stimulated um, the, the column. And to begin developing and investing some political capital in a distinction between supporting Trump's policies and condoning his behavior in office. What would that look like, though, in terms of, like, advertising or, or what would investing in that look like practically? Well, I, I don't think that they need to rise to the media bait of um, either endorsing or condemning every intemperate tweet that uh, Trump issues. Um, nobody would have time to vote because they would be spending all day doing that. Um, but uh, with the egregious ones, like um, the go-back tweet, uh, I do think that it would be to the benefit not only of individual Republican office holders, but the future of the Republican Party. Uh, to say um, that crossed a line. And it shouldn't be too difficult when you're telling um, three members of Congress who were born in the United States to go back to uh, the country that Trump apparently believes they were born in instead of the United States. Um, or even to, if they were all to, from, I mean, to, I mean to there's say, just no, yeah. Well, it, it, it go back is an uh, ethnic slur, usually directed against Latinos. That's 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 just unarguable, um, and inexcusable for a president to engage in. But the massive stupidity of it, of 
of telling it to people to whom it doesn't apply and disrespecting uh, the institution of the House um, uh, by, in effect, um, creating a uh, wrongful narrative about some members of Congress. And you're right, it, it's, it's no more excusable for someone who is a naturalized uh, citizen um, uh, like Omar than, than it is for someone who was born and that's here. What it's, country it's an is all acceptable about. That's period. what this country is all about. And, 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 and any, you know, we're all, anyone that this whole your country is founded on people from other countries coming here and, 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 and what bound them together is, you know, the citizenship of, of fidelity it, it, to the it, principles it, it, of the it, country. It, it was vile no matter what. But given that it was so fundamentally inaccurate, it's also stupid. And, and Republicans, when he reaches that level, should be willing to say that was stupid and vile. I mean, it reminds me of, of what Paul Ryan said when Trump um, uh, did a comparable thing, when he said a judge couldn't fairly judge a business dispute of his because he was uh, tough on immigration and the judge was Mexican. Paul Ryan said that's a textbook example of racism. Mm -hmm. um, Republicans need to be willing to say that um, when it gets so obvious and so egregious that it should be embarrassing to them. But then they uh, kind of, but then they kind of just retire and go away. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, come on, people. That's what I'd say. Come on, fight. I mean, what's well, but, what's going to be left of of you know when this is all over? That's that's what I that's what I wonder. But but I do think they can maintain a distinction and and stave off the I Republican hope. primaries or 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 win them uh, by. Um, I hope they do. Drawing a distinction between supporting Trump on policy and condoning his behavior in the White House. Yeah, the Tea Party tried to take out a whole bunch of incumbent Republicans. Um, they didn't succeed for the most part. For the most part, the establishment Republicans won those fights. Um, and I do think there's an excessive fear, but I also agree with you. Uh, there's also, at a certain point, a moral responsibility to speak of. And where, where are the leadership? I mean, you have these people following that. And I, I know you, we, earlier you say you don't think the chants are going to keep happening. I think they're going to keep happening. And what's going to happen when they're chanting that here in, in, a, in a rally in Phoenix? Are our Republican representatives going to be standing there watching these this happen? Um, wh wh where, why aren't they leading in a, in a different direction? You know, not just distancing, but leading people, speaking to the people, meeting well, with those people, and 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 yeah, no, um, no, no one can compete with Trump um, for defining the image of the Republican Party. I mean, their their Republican office holders are stuck with him as the titular head of the party, and no one can compete with that. Um, but they, they can create some space. Um, they can try to ensure that Trump alone owns his messes. They can begin trying to develop and invest some political capital in the distinction between supporting Trump's policies and condoning his behavior in office. And, and I think that um, includes speaking out when uh, 
he becomes so egregious. Well, did you watch the British Open this weekend? <laughs> just, just a few holes. Uh, sports. I think sports gives me a sort of uh, outlet and release, and um, I think uh, I think a lot of people are 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 coping with the intensity and in hopefully healthy ways, and hopefully we can uh, we can at least you know at our localities and uh, in our towns and our Uber rides and in our conversations with each other, we can uh, sort of model and and become more civil and hospitable to each other. Yeah, what does yeah, it say can... that we're looking for sports for civility? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> trash talking. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. When, when, president, when trash talking in sports can't compete with trash talking in a presidential yep. campaign. Yep, that's becoming, yep. Reality TV is what we're what we're living <laughs> through in our. Um, anyways, thanks everybody for listening to the Political Notebook podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app. Thank you.